Welcome to another episode of the Epic Phelan Podcast. Today, we have with us Chris Phelan from Sweet Home Renovations. He's a buddy of mine. Thanks, Ryan. What are we going to be talking about? Yeah, what are we going to be talking about? I don't know, man. Whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about. So, Chris, what are you drinking, first of all? I am drinking a local beer by 88 Stout. It's a Imperial Tiramisu Stout with milk sugar. I typically drink darker beers in the uh, in the winter, some lighter stuff in the spring, summer. So this is uh, quite nice. I really like their beers. Excellent. I'm drinking a Hogarden. Love Hogarden. Yeah, such a well, I used to. I used to drink a lot of it. And just got sleep of it too much. Just found other stuff. That's all. Yeah. And we have such an amazing um, local beer scene that uh, you don't ever have to go overseas anymore. We do. It's it's crazy, actually, how much is out there. Yeah, from distilleries to, I mean, geez, there's just so much now. It's fantastic. You can never get sick of it. Do you have a favorite brewery? Uh, you know, I would say Citizen is my favorite for the atmosphere. I don't know if I would say my favorite for the beers. I don't keep track of that stuff. You know, like these guys who go on all these websites or apps or whatever and record, you know, with their favorite brands and, and styles and all that sort of stuff. It's not me. I just sort of grab whatever looks good and start drinking. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I can't, I can't pick a favorite. And I'm like, I like anything from stouts to sours. And it's so hard to pick one. Because you may really like the beer at one place, but then you might be like, oh, they don't serve food, though. I've heard that. Yeah. No, and I mean, even the hard alcohol stuff from Confluence to Park to Eau Claire, Bridgeland. I haven't had any of their stuff yet. But I was Buddy of mine from high school. Day. We just had our reunion at uh, really? Bridgeland Distillery. How was it? It was good. Did you have anything that you would recommend? They do like an Irish whiskey like, or something close to like an Irish whiskey and... Um, it was, it was great. It was, it was, yeah, I really liked it. Good. I'll have to give it a try. I was in Edmonton visiting my brothers here on the weekend and he had some sort of whiskey that was like, he knew it was cheap and he knew it was bad. And it was, it was atrocious. <laughs> it was just, I can't even remember what it was or where it was from, but it was, yeah, it was not good, but, but, okay. uh, Bridgeland Distillery, excellent. How was their location? I remember being in there years ago. We were contacted by somebody to go take a look or store something. I don't even remember what we were in there for, but that building that they're in is very 80s. It was weird. So I don't know. Maybe they've done a big renovation, but it was quite weird. I think they've renovated it. Yeah, because it was it was it was quite modern. Okay. Good. Yeah. It definitely wasn't when we were in there. Yeah. It was green and brass and and tiles that you know should have been torn out probably three decades ago. Yeah, oh, it was pretty no. gross. No, no, no. This is yeah, totally different. It was totally good, totally high end, high falutin kind of atmosphere. Uh to check it out. So, Mister Kalon, sweet home renovation, sweet of course yep. being spelled sweet like a like a basement suite. That's right. Is that something that you specialize in? Just to give anybody that's actually watching this any sort of history on us, we started by renovating rental suites back in the day. So I was uh, 
Smartin in about 2010 decided to register the domain name. We didn't really do much with it. And in 2015, when we left the real estate game, we switched over to do renovations full time. So I uh, just sort of, I guess you could say, activated it because Google likes to reward those who have a website for a really long time. And we couldn't come up with anything better. So, and it kind of made sense. I mean, we do some, we definitely still take care of a lot of rentals for a lot of people. We have a few rentals ourselves. This is me, my business partner, Curtis. We don't specifically focus on any one thing. That's It's a bit of a distinction, I guess you could say, with us versus other renovators so is that we don't we don't specifically focus on kitchens or bathroom or basements or fences or roofs or anything like that. We pretty much say yes to everything and then figure it out. Nice. Figure it out. Figure it out. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of a cool thing. And I think there's, there's a product out there in the mortgage industry that people do not take advantage of, I think, especially for the you know, people that are buying buying homes is the mortgage plus improvements because they spend all this time looking for homes and they, you know, it's, it's funny to me because you always have like, you know, the stereotypical couple, right? Husband, wife, and, you know, traditional roles and everything, which you be careful of, but you'll say like, Hey, how are you for like, if a house needs a little bit of work? And of course the guy's always piping up, Oh yeah, I can do a little bit of work and, and whatnot. And then I'll start showing them homes. And the first thing, What'll happen is we'll walk into like a little girl's bedroom and it'll be pink. And they go, oh my God, it's pink. We can't do all the paint that we have to do. It's like, okay, <laughs> you said you were willing to do some work. But I do think there is a huge value add to homes that are turnkey. So if you're selling, maybe a good idea to fix up your home, give, give Chris Kaelin a call to fix up a home. But I think especially on the buying side, take a look at a home that is going to be a little bit harder to harder to sell and people are going to overlook, but it has the right bones where you can then take and fix it up. When we were doing the real estate stuff, we were buying dumps, like terrible, terrible places. And it is overwhelming. So I can understand a lot of people's sort of hesitation. Um, at the same point, there's a lot of people out there that think they can do something and then they get involved with it. And then they're way over their heads. And then they call us to sort of come in and rescue them. There's different types of people out there and every which one is a potential customer of ours. It's shocking some of the bad stuff people have done to their houses. We typically don't see a lot of like truly disastrous stuff, but we do see some people where it's like the old guy that, uh, you know, tried to fix his stuff up in the seventies and eighties and did stuff that they really shouldn't have. And, then it's caused them issues. So different people out there for sure that get their hands dirty doing their own renovations. As far as the mortgage plus improvements, it's definitely a solid way of going, you know, instead of having to, you're going to know this more than I am, but the vast majority of people, when they buy a house, they, you know, if let's say they have a hundred thousand dollars set aside for purchasing a home, they're not going to think, well, you know, we should probably buy a place that's a little bit more in our means and take, let's say, 50000 and then renovate the place. Some people will a lot just sort of max out that $100,000 and then don't have anything for renovations. So by getting into something with the mortgage plus improvements, and of course, your mortgage brokers will tell you which ways is best for them. Um, but yeah, there's there's ways of, of getting the most 
with the money that you've saved up and then doing the renovations, which sort of tack on to the end. And then you can do whatever you want. You can get the flooring changed, this, you know, the popcorn on the ceiling scraped, the old hardwood refinished, uh, additions put on, whatever, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? So it depends. Again, it's, I think it's just a, a changing one's perception when they're when they're shopping, right? Because if somebody goes in and they know they're going to change the flooring, they know that they want wide vinyl plank because they have dogs, right? And it's going to not scar up the material, and um, they want it in a certain type of color, maybe like a like a lighter, you know, like almost whiter gray gray look, but. Most of the homes in that, maybe that generation don't have that. So they know they're going to be replacing them anyway. Looking for that home that has carpet that's a little bit rougher, that's all stained up and is, is totally gross compared to the ones that are like, you know, oh, it's nice, but we're changing it out anyway. I, I find that people still have to, you know, get their mind changed around that because they'll be they'll be looking and they'll be like, oh, this one's really gross. So this one's a lot nicer. It's like, yeah, but you're gutting it <laughs> right like yeah don't, don't worry you know this is the one you want you want the gross one because you can negotiate a little bit more on that you're asking people to sort of change their frame of mind though but they're yeah, probably the coming from a nice yeah. home and then they see a home that's less than desirable maybe it needs a lot of work and they're going to have a hard time disconnecting even what they currently have to what their future home what they want that to actually be, they just sort of get caught with, you know, oh, geez, it smells like cat pee and the carpets are gross and the pink walls and the old whatever. They just have a hard time with that sort of visualization. And I mean, on that note, there's a lot of people that have a really good idea what they want, but then there's a lot of people that absolutely have a hard time visualizing this floor in this space or, you know, let's remove this wall and what does that look like? Recently, I was at a customer's house where they kind of sort of knew, but it's tough. You you just sort of try and help them along as much as possible. Years and years ago, there used to be programs where you just end up taking a picture of a room and then you could actually like almost draw your boundaries, right? Like click point areas and then go, this is, this is the floor. And then you can drag in different like textures and that kind of stuff. It was actually a company here in town, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's it's eluding me. But a friend of mine worked for them for a while. It was a really tough program to keep on top of because there's just you know a million different textures and types of products, and you know they were trying to have it so that you you know if you're dragging over this particular brand of flooring, that it would actually tell you how many square feet and how much the actual would cost, right? Like it was. It was complex. I don't know, know whatever happened to it, but they do a lot of that, especially with exteriors, because those are a little bit easier for that kind of stuff. Interior stuff, you know, there's usually too many things in the way, but, ah, uh, geez, I can't remember the name of that site. Anyway. I used to offer that with my virtual tours. There was a company that did that. They're never quite perfect enough to actually like easily just go, you know, I want final flooring and I want the walls to be like gray and uh, big fat baseboards and door casings. And, you know, like, it's just, you know, the technology out there is probably close. I don't know if it's quite there, but it's been so long since I've actually looked. I work more with architects. By the time somebody's come to me, I would prefer if they had a solid plan. 
of what they're looking for just makes my job a lot easier, a lot less time sort of driving around picking tile samples and that kind of stuff. But, you know, every client's going to be different. Some clients, you just sort of include links on your estimate, you know, like this type of flooring for the bathroom and this type type of tile for the walls and, and that kind of stuff. And some people are just really happy with what you've sort of selected. And then there's some customers that, uh, you know, want the full meal deal treatment, take them around to like five different tile stores. And I just don't have a lot of time for that. So it's easier if they've talked to an architect or an interior designer or really just like nailed down their plan. You know, this might sound gender stereotyping, but a lot of women do like to spend a ton of time on Pinterest, sort of selecting the, the materials or look that they that they really want at the end. So then you kind of have to... Uh, you know, take all of those pieces and, and come up with a plan for them. So, yeah. Actually, Pinterest is not a bad, bad little site when it comes to design. No, and It's and, quite fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've even used it for marketing. <laughs> There's some marketing material in there that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I, there, you know, in, in the space that I play, there's just so many different programs and, and websites and apps and, all sorts of stuff that people can use from house to, you know, not that I'm a big fan of their stuff, but, you know, like there, there are a lot of tools out there. So if you're interested in a renovation, definitely like check those kind of sites out. So, yeah. What, what are the big trends right now? <laughs> uh, well, you've, you've kind of hit on them. Uh, we get a lot of people asking about vinyl tile, um, LVT or LVP. Luxury vinyl plank um, is is definitely a big popular thing right now. As far as colors go, people are still into the grays. Cabinets, we have a lot of two-tone, you know, like light on the top, dark on the bottom. That's still fairly popular right now. Uh, it's starting to change, though. I've seen a lot of, like, darker cabinets lately. Oh. Yeah, well, I don't know. As I just walked through Ikea the other day, I noticed a lot of darker cabinets and a lot of darker tiles and that kind of stuff. It really has to be done right, though. And again, talk to an interior designer. I am not one. So, <laughs> But, you know, we do get a lot of people asking about different materials. Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, yes, that, that would look great. And then you actually have to burst some bubbles sometimes and say, I do not recommend butcher block countertops in Alberta is too dry here it will crack and it will be something that you're not going to like in the long term lvp or the luxury stuff i would i don't know to me it's a tough thing because especially with flooring it gets beat up so bad especially with dogs sometimes it's really good for different types of dogs and then you can find some where they just actually claw right through that luxury vinyl floor there's just so many different options from laminate and hardwoods and engineered and carpet and all sorts of stuff. You know, we install it all. So I've, I've seen and, and been there for, for everything. But um, as far as trends go, I would say that those, are, those, those are the big ones that I've seen. And brass is definitely popular right now. Like not the, it's more of like a champagne brass type of uh, finish on on plumbing actually black is really popular yeah black, black brass black. yeah the, the, yeah. the black brass are the, yeah it's been mm -hmm. really popular yeah and how is the market out there right the market is still pretty crazy huge supply issues you know so sort of like the supply chain that you're probably dealing with well we're kind of dealing with it with the the housing market where there's not a whole lot of homes on the market i tend to look at things at a seven day intervals 
because if I go and I look at the last stats, well, that's a month old, right? You know how you know November stats were or whatever. We're you know well into December here, and this has been pretty consistent for the last few months. Where over the last seven days, there will be a difference of in homes listed to homes sold of anywhere from 150 to 200 homes. So you'll have 300 homes listed, but you'll have like 450 homes sold in a seven day span. Yeah, so that just kind of tells you where things are going. Condos are finally starting to pick up a little bit more. That was going to be my next question. Are we seeing a lot of people moving out of condos into homes? Is that the big sort of shift? Or are we actually seeing a lot of people moving to Calgary still? That's something I don't, I don't really know. From Toronto and Vancouver, because I think there's been an opportunity with the not having to work at a specific location. So they're like, okay, well, I can work from Calgary and my home will cost me half the price it will than a home in Toronto or, or perhaps Vancouver. And so why not live in Calgary? It's a way better city anyway. <laughs> I've enjoyed all three of the cities you just listed, so I, I can't say anything negative about any of them. I have a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a hate on, but a, a thing with Vancouver. Just all, I have so many artistic friends, you know, in bands, and especially yeah, music-wise, they're all, oh, you have to go to Vancouver because that's where the scene's at. And it's like, I guess. <laughs> but um, what do you need you now when you're not um, making places abodes much more livable? I'm what you call like uh, right on the line between an extrovert and an introvert. So half the time I'm going out and half the time I'm by myself and, and I enjoy both sides. So these days, a lot of you know, going out meeting with people through our mutual networking group. Um, and then the other part, I'm actually, uh, I spend a lot of time in my shop making stuff. Uh, it's just sort of what what uh, gets me going. So right now I'm in the middle of making a chess set for my son for Christmas. I hope you didn't hear that. It just sort of fills me with that um, sense of accomplishment at the end, end of the day. So I can look at something and go, I made that. So that's that's a lot of what I do. But yeah, there's there's a lot of like going out uh, with different people from our from our group. So people, you know, want to go see a Roughnecks game, which my first one was actually a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was at that one too. Yeah, we were on different sides of the aisle, but that was the first time I'd ever been. It was a blast. I would totally there go. There was out. a lot of people there. There was like way more than I thought. Yeah. I've been to one pre-COVID that wasn't, I would say, maybe it was like half the people. Really? So it was busier this time? It was way busier. It was it was fantastic. Why was it busier, do you think? What do you think? Is it because people need uh, an escape? or it's I think people are just, people are really like needing to get out. I think people yeah. are, and, and, it, and it's affordable. Like compared to like a Flames game or compared what to... What does a Roughnecks game usually cost? Because I know that we got one because we we're bringing a larger group and our events coordinator got got a better sort of price, but... Probably, you know, 25 bucks, I think. Yeah, compared to a hockey game, that's that's cheap, right? It's 10 times more, right, a hockey game. But it's, it's um, I think, even 50 bucks. I think, you know, in, in you know, good seats, you know, 25 to 50 bucks in there. But it's... yeah. What's so fun about it is it's like you go to a you go to a hockey game and it's like some action will happen, those you know, flames will score and everybody will stand up and it's like, 
you're allotted four claps <laughs> and then you better be sitting down because yeah. You, yeah, everyone will be you're blocking the view and uh, <laughs> but it's it's very uh very yeah very tame but a, a roughnecks game it's like there's action going the whole time there's a little the chance energy for, was cranked yeah and there's a little chance for like everything that they do i can't even name half of them you know, and then the bang, 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 vominos, vominos. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect. Penalty, get down, get it, get in there, sit down and shut up kind of thing. You yeah. Know? I mean, the music going, the price, the event, you know, it's all the same sort of stuff. Like, you know, to me anyway, I mean, I'm not a huge sports guy, but if you're just looking for a, a cheap way of, or cheaper way of, you know, going out and seeing some sports and being part of that energy, I would definitely recommend anybody check out the roughnecks it's just as entertaining i didn't find it any less entertaining you know it's not like i was looking at it going like you know per dollar amount i mean it's it's uh yeah it was great so definitely check those things out what's your major sort of uh advertising path that you use to get more clients that's a great question I, i do a few different things obviously your podcast Obviously, the podcast. Um, just just getting myself out there. Podcast. I also do the. Um, I have a YouTube show that I was doing there for a bit, and um, my sphere of influence. You know, making sure that I'm you know meeting up with my people, past clients, friends, and um, some internet lead generation. But the best one by far that I find is the referral network, right? And 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 getting out there and networking with people. It's interesting to me. I don't know if you found this. Um, obviously, you know you're still in in the networking group. If you do find it the, to be uh, a good means of um, generating business, I would say between my business partners. So he's part of one group, and and we're together. Um, I don't know if we should name names or not, but the uh, the groups that we belong to, I mean, they've they've given us so many referrals over the past year. So I joined in October, so I'm just uh, you know a little bit over a year, and the number of referrals, the amount of business that we're bringing in is is absolutely worth it. It's definitely been one of those easy sort of did this pay off? Yes. Would I recommend it to other people? Absolutely. There's so many ways of of going for advertising, right? From billboards to you know mailouts to or internet or yeah door knockers or postcards or whatever, right? Or trade shows. I mean, some of those traditional things we've not really utilized. So I can't really comment. You know, is this a is this a valid strategy to try? You know, when we got into this, it wasn't like we had a huge budget in order to uh, fund advertising. So I don't know if I would say that something like a billboard would pay off for us. You know, there's somebody that's in your Remax world that spends a lot of money, and I don't know how much of that pays off for them. I would imagine it probably does. It's when when you're everywhere, maybe, maybe it finally does pay off. But here's here's the thing with any industry, whether you're a piano teacher, whether you own a liquor store, a renovator, whether you're a realtor, if you have somebody say to you, hey, use Ryan, you know, he's a great realtor, that's that that trusted source, especially if it's somebody that you trust, 
you know, it's going to be an easy, easy referral where if you just like look up somebody in the, <laughs> we'll, we'll go old school, look up somebody in the yellow pages or online. Or right? a bus, like, uh, bus stop. Yeah. Bus bench. You have, you have no idea, right? Like it, no. it's, it's, so I think, I think there's some, there's some credibility that comes with it and it makes it an easier, it's not such a cold referral. Yeah. And you don't have to sell as hard, which I'm more about service than I am sales. Right. I would, you know, right. Like if I'm selling someone's house, that's when I put my salesman hat on and, you know, and we talk marketing and strategy and all this, but you know, when I'm helping somebody buy, it's, it's very much more, and even on the sales side, it's, it's a lot of service that goes into it. And, um, you know, sales is just so often looked at slimy. It is. It's it's a necessary thing for us, though. And yeah. I find it interesting that we sort of, I mean, typically anyway, their largest purchase in their lifetime will be a house. I mean, they might have multiple houses, but they usually always increase in prices. So they will always be at the top of that. But right below that, doing a major renovation, you know, can be one of the second most costly things that people buy and usually it's all in one go to there's i guess we could talk about other options of, of financing um a renovation but primarily we're talking about like their single largest home or so their their single largest purchase which is through you and then their second single largest purchase which might be a big renovation you and i have to rely a lot on trust it's about trust so something like a referral network, it's an easier way of getting or building that trust than something where, hey, I trust you because I saw you on a bench ad. I yeah. trust you because I I, you know, saw a billboard or I got this flyer in the mail. That's generally not the greatest way to establish trust. But somebody saying, I've used this person, you should use them too. You know, here's an introduction, Ryan meet George, George meet Ryan, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for us to close that sale. So for us who are more of your soft sales type of people, we're going to find it easier. Somebody else has said, use these guys versus, you know, us trying to be Mr. Slimy car salesman type of approach. 100%. And I do enjoy the social side of it too, right? So it kind of mixes that getting to know somebody and getting to know what they do because I find people fascinating. So you get to know no people and, um, but it floors me. It absolutely floors me when I suggest networking to people. And I think it's because, you know, with all the multi-level marketing and pyramid, you know, call it pyramid schemes, everything's a pyramid, but, but you get all those out there and the financial organizations that, you know, have a pyramid kind of scheme to them and, it's funny how there's such a negative, like, oh, I'm going to get together with people and then I'm going to like try and refer people and they're going to try and refer people back to me. What? This sounds shady. Scammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, and yet really? people do it naturally anyway. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But as soon as you apply anything sort of uh, organizational type of structure to anything, then people get those, those funny vibes. Oh, Ryan asked me to attend a meeting. Oh, geez, I'm going to be sold on needing to like, you know, buy into some big package. And I mean, but truthfully, I was part of that world for a little bit, you know, going to different real estate seminars and that kind of stuff. 
I couldn't attend very many of them after a while because I was so cynical. I would sit in the back with my business partners, sort of like poo-pooing on the whole like efforts of, of all of these things. You know, you're up there because you're rich, you know, and you're telling us that we should buy into your package because you want us to be up there too. And, you know, I, I was... Are, are you making money on selling your package? Or are you making money on selling your product? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I always have to ask at the end of the day. Like, you know, with, you know, whether you're selling makeup or cookies or a financial product, are you rich because you have sold X amount of people to be in, which they've paid for their memberships, right? And is that how you're making your money through the memberships? Or are you making your money from actually doing the actual work? Obviously, it's tough to say because we don't know their their financials, how much they used to make off for those things. So at one point, I actually used to be on stage. I wasn't really selling anything. I was already at that point of educating. And uh, Curtis and I used to travel across Canada selling, not selling, presenting information on real estate strategies. So it was specifically the buy, fix and sell type of strategy. And so we put together the course and we're part of, and I'm not going to say who it was, but lots of people would probably recognize the purple book if they saw it. And it was very sort of like, you look out across the audience and you're like, how many of these people in this audience and this you know small collection of people, how many of them are actually capable of even taking this information and, and running with it. I can remember in Toronto, we had this one lady who was actually blind. I'm like, how are you going to fix anything? You know, like, it's pretty tough to sort of imagine that. And, you know, I mean, she was a super sweet lady, but, you know, you kind of felt bad, like, oh, God, I'm selling this person this idea that she can, you know, easily get into a house and sell it uh, or like fix it up and then sell it. And she's going to be, you know, a uh, a big superstar at the end of the day, probably why we didn't do it so long. I didn't feel super compelled to be pushing other courses on to these people as well. Oh, you guys, if you haven't thought about it, you should totally sign up to their rent to own program and the, the wholesaling and the buy, fix and hold type of strategies or, you know, uh, foreclosures or any of those sorts of real estate things. We didn't end up doing a lot of the like pushy salespeople kind of thing, but they really wanted us to, you know, you guys are going to get more money if you convince these people to actually sign up for more courses where it's like, you know, they've, they've already spent the money on some courses and they're likely not going to rush out there and, and do something with it. We used to actually call it the 5% club of people that took the information from those seminars and actually put it to use. It was only about 5% of the total attendees of those things. So you wonder, it's like, how much have these people spent on these, these seminars from ACN to any of the makeup ones or the juices, potions, and lotions, as we used to call them, right? I mean, there's there's so many of those MLMs or pyramid schemes or, you know, I mean, they're pretty much Ponzi schemes, but at the end of the day, those people are out there. I don't even know if they still sort of exist in the same way. I'm, I'm sure they do. I'm trying to remember the name of the term. When you buy a red car, you see other red cars. There's a term for it. It's two words and they're German sounding and I can't remember what it is. But because I'm not looking for those type of courses, I don't see them. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm sort of blind to them. Reticular activator. That could be it. Yeah, there's I think there's another it's your term. Reticular activator, so, yeah. yeah. But um, it's fascinating being part of that sort of world and, and seeing the uh, behind the curtains type of thing. And I would 
suspect that the vast majority of the people who are on stage are on stage because that's where they're earning their money. If they were so wealthy from their actual product that they were selling, I doubt that they would be on stage because traveling across countries and, you know, standing in front of people is is not particularly enjoyable. You know, not being close to your family and, and whatnot is probably not easy. So it's interesting because you got uh, one of my favorite books behind you. That is Gary Vaynerchuk, isn't it? Behind you? Crushing it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah crushing it. And I would imagine that guy travels a lot, you know, from different seminars and different... I don't actually even know. Does he sell a particular program or mentoring thing or education package he, do you want it, it's funny he doesn't he doesn't his media company so it's vayner media which is like a advertising and media company and i mean so he sells his books of course but and he admits he's like i'm not a writer <laughs> he's like he's like listen listen to what i tell you just like and watch what i'm doing he's like and watch what i'm doing right even more so than listening to me watch what i'm doing and then do that but yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's like my little spirit animal, that guy. <laughs> he's an interesting guy. There's there's been a number of those type of people that uh, I've I've watched over the years. That you know, there's a, another guy by the name of Pat Flynn. He was part of Passive Income something or other, and he seemed to be selling the same type of concept that Gary was. But Gary got picked up, and and Pat didn't really. So it's always interesting to me. It's like, what what message did Gary have that was so radically different than what other people had that Gary succeeded and is quite well known versus somebody like Pat, who was essentially saying the same stuff, but didn't go anywhere. I think with Gary, I think there's a brutal honesty that he has about him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also the amount of content that he puts out is insane. I think a little bit of charisma. Um, there's a, there's another guy there. Frank Kern is another one. And somebody once told me that I reminded them of Frank Kern. I don't even know who that is. I should look him up. Yeah. It's always sort of interesting because I was out with a couple of other of our BNI people. And I was talking to some people about all of these YouTubers and how YouTube is like, uh, it's crazy to me how some people have found success and for whatever they are specifically doing and how did they have that that magic sauce compared to somebody else who's doing identical things and watching like their stats go up and you know is it just their personality that sort of comes through and is that what people are drawn to or is it what they're actually selling and i mean youtube is just such a crazy wild thing that who would have thought that for some reason, some hoof repair guy, you know, like cow hoof repair guy showed up on my YouTube channel. And next thing you know, I'm watching this guy scrape apart these like cow hooves and, and repair them and send them on their ways. And this guy's got like thousands and thousands of followers. And you're like, is this what we want now? Is this, is this the, is this the thing that people are interested in or is it? I was at my brother's place in Edmonton or just outside of Edmonton here on the weekend. And he has two kids. They're in that uh, just preteen and teen ager years. They only have a TV in their bedroom that's working right now. And the kids don't even care. Like, cause they're like, they're on their phones. They're consuming content and consuming entertainment 
30 seconds at a time. Yeah. It's all about the TikTok or the the reels. And it's, it's interesting to me how, you know, the concept of sitting down and watching a three-hour movie to some younger people is just like, why? Oh, my son gets bored watching movies. Like, you know, unless a movie is like so good that it's like grabbed him and almost like pinned him to the chair. They, yeah, they, they get bored really quick. My son's not on TikTok, but he watches YouTube constantly. It's usually about like video games or, or something, but that's just their way of entertainment. Typically, and sort of painting a picture here of how I grew up, but, you know, the, the old people held the remote. So you weren't in control of what you watched, which is why I watched stupid Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and the nightly news, you know, every night, because when I lived with my grandparents for a year, longer story, but it's just, that's what we watched. And there was no choice. I lived with my grandparents too. And it was like, I was like, how much news can you watch? You're watching the six o'clock news or no, you would watch the, watch the five o'clock news and the six o'clock news would come on. And then it's like, okay, you've got your news out for the no, 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 no. no. There's like, nightly news. There's the, like more news. The nightly yeah. news. The news at nine. So you have like a, what an hour window there to watch something else. Yeah, it was half an so hour of like, Jeopardy and half an hour of Wheel of Fortune. You know, and then, and and then, then boom, back, back to, to the, the news, news again. you know, and then everybody would go to bed around ten or eleven, and then get up at six o'clock, and the news was on again. Or if it wasn't on the TV, it was on the the radio that was sitting on top of the fridge. All this news, and people not maybe watching TV as much. The news is going to have to do something to to keep people tuned in. <laughs> I think we're seeing that though. Like even when I was a kid, though, I mean, there was. I don't think there was such a thing as 24 hour news. Yeah, are you you're older or you, we're pretty much the same age. Do you remember when the TV actually went off at night? Like there was no TV. Oh yeah. At, there yeah. was like a, an end to the TV. It was like this is the end and of actually, the broadcast. It wasn't even that long ago. I think I was in my I think I was in my twenties even when Ryan, you know, that's a long time ago. I guess that is a long time ago. That's a long time ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> but there are adults now that are you know, having kids that are half your age. Just let that bake your noodle for a minute. You're old, man. Oh, I know. You're old. Oh. You're super old. I know. Yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, you and I are the same age, of course, I'm telling you that. But yeah, the, the TV used to go off. Like, I think even when I was in, oh, geez, I don't know if I would say the 20s or my 20s. Do you remember, like, you'd stay up all night and you'd watch infomercials at, uh, like, 12 o'clock at night, like, Rumpel Keepfield <laughs> selling the, uh, the rotisserie machine or... Yeah you know slap chop crap or whatever i mean that was that was sort of the the garbage that you'd find at at night and now and you know i haven't had cable in so many years but you can pretty much turn cnn on and there's news constantly oh yeah they're just pumping it constantly into you because it's not just local news like when our parents or grandparents were turning the tv on they weren't talking about what was happening in myanmar and it wasn't happening in you know south africa or you know devastation over here or what have you it was like you know so and so with the nightly uh, weather report and you know what's happening with the calgary flames and or the oilers as when i was a kid you know yeah. it was it was it, yeah, was, it, it was it local, wasn't so right? global it was so local and then you'd end up with different programs like the national and whatnot talking about more let's call it heavy subjects but yeah, now it's like constant news. Let's pump all that doom and gloom into you 24-7. You know, the world's failing. We've got like 20 years until everything blows up, you know. And they, then on the other hand, it's like, you got to buy this thing and have this pill and 
you know, get your hair did and all this, like, you know, trying to pump you full of all this, like, Oh, the consumerism. Consumerism is, is deadly. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we turn that off, we, we stare at our phone because something might've happened on Facebook or TikTok or what have you. Uh, yeah. We got to consume, yeah, what, consume, consume. Uh, what did, what did Chris Kilon eat tonight? <laughs> oh yeah. I got to post my Instagram. I did that thing. I got to make myself look like I'm, I've really got my <laughs> shit together. You got to give me a call. I haven't seen, I haven't seen, you must not be eating. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't post my picture of my, my meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all telling us that we're doing everything wrong constantly. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think um, quite frankly, I think social media is probably the, well, I would say social media slash news is probably what's going to doom us all, you know, not to be sort of conspiratory or anything like that, but. And, and not conspiratory at all. And I think the, like Denzel Washington was actually said it, said it best. He was talking about the news and media. He says, you know, it's, it's the rush to be first. That's, that's the problem. Mm. And the retraction is always page eight, you know, bottom left corner, right? Sure. You're never going to see it. Yeah. Right. But I think we've even gone past that. You know, people like Donald Trump said whatever they wanted to say, and there was no accountability. Whereas other people are sort of held accountable. But, you know, did anybody care that, you know, he said all of these things or whatever, half truths, so what have you? What we're teaching people yeah. is that in order to, you have to be able to stand out, right? So you got to be extreme or sensational, yeah. right? The news has been sensational, right? So I heard it said once there was another guest of mine that was starting to go down a road of being political. And then they, I think they caught themselves and said, hey, the thing is, is that, you know, the, the right wing and the left wing are both part of the same bird. And it's true. And it's just, everyone's doing it. Everyone's like, the more outrageous you can be, that's that's what's going to pick up the attention of the of the public, right? And it's just like it's kind of kind of nasty. It is. I I personally, you know, like if somebody came to me and they were like, "Well, you know, we were going to sign this big contract with you, uh, but you know, you you said something against our Lord and Savior uh, Donald Trump," I'd be like, "All right, sorry, but uh, I'm not uh, going to retract my statements." But I think we're at an interesting point in, in sort of life. You know, we have people who want to protect. I mean, the, the vast majority of people want to protect each other, right? I mean, that's why we've seen as many people get vaccinated as possible. And then we have a smaller subset who are quite a vocal bunch who who don't want to uh, get vaccinated. And I mean, that is their right. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing on their right. It shocks me that somebody would not want to do something to protect those others you know, each to their own. I, I can't change anybody and I'm not, I'm not ever trying to change anybody. That's not really my MO. I agree with you because like whatever happened to, you know, let's respectfully disagree with each other. Right. Rather than, you know, both sides, you know, flying, flying off the handle, you the, the people that are vaccinated going, well, you're not vaccinated, you know, like, and you're not, you're no longer my brother, <laughs> you know, or, or you're vaccinated. I've even seen it in in real estate here, where there was um, there was an individual that didn't want, and this is a realtor that knew a realtor that knew a realtor, of course, you know, stories, you know, telephone, but uh, somebody that didn't want people coming through their house that were vaccinated. That were vaccinated because the the vaccine can the vaccine can leach out of the right. the skin and get on her dog or his dog or whoever it may be. And it's like, wow, you know, like, but, but 
you know, if, if that's your reality, you know, then, then you just have to deal with it, I guess. Then, you, I guess, I guess people aren't coming to see your home, right? Like it's just, I think you hit something there. It's recently, very recently, I was put into the position of working with a particular cabinet manufacturer or, or essentially letting them go and finding somebody else out. And so I had a conversation with him about the fact that he was close to losing the contract, fairly sizable contract, because his designer was not vaccinated. And bless her heart, she's a very nice person. But we accidentally, I kind of do mean accidentally, got onto the subject of it. And it was like, oh, you're not vaccinated. Well, unfortunately, it's your right to not be vaccinated. I'm, I'm all about people's rights. But it's also my right to not hire you. You know, I don't, if, if you're allowed to make your choice, I'm allowed to make mine. And if you choose to not be vaccinated, I can choose to not have you, in my opinion anyway, potentially harm my clients by being in their space. So because we are in people's spaces and she was okay with that. We found a workaround because her boss essentially was vaccinated and came down. And, you know, what sort of surprised me was that, you know, he's, he's vaccinated, but his like 10 other staff aren't vaccinated. So like, he's the guy in charge and he doesn't even have the ability to go, okay, guys, we got to get vaccinated or, you know, working. And he hasn't put that sort of constraint on his, on his staff. They are still allowed to do what they want, but you know, I'm, I'm still allowed to say, you know, nobody who's not vaccinated is allowed in the property. So, but it's, it's weird. I mean, the, we, we're living in the upside down world. The whole thing is, is bizarre. And if, and if, and if everybody could take a step back and go, oh, okay. I understand how you would feel that way. Yeah. So if, if you can't use me because I'm, I, I personally am vaccinated, double vaccinated, but I can, I can relate. And maybe, maybe not to the point of thinking microchips. I'm not that interesting of a person, <laughs> but if, if someone has some trepidation because of just the media. And I think, unfortunately, this whole thing came around with a lot of politics involved and you had very high respectful members or, you know, whether you call it, you know, whoever, whoever they are, high members of government in the United States that were saying they would absolutely not take the, the shot, which then all it did was fed the fuel for the people that are not taking the shot now. And of course, once the, once the election happens, they change their mind and say, oh, take the shot, take the shot. But it's, it's funny how we got to be careful. I think media has to be more responsible. I think our government and our people in a, in a position of authority have to take a, take a step back and say, hey, you know, like our voice does matter and people are listening to it. And if we give conflicting messages, we're going to mess people up. Well, how many people has the U.S. seen die yeah. since COVID? And I don't, I don't know how many of them are specifically because of, you know, the news reports or what have you. I'm just actually going to pull up that data. But um, the, the, the responsibility that people in those type of positions have is shocking. 
you know, and I mean, just because so and so on Fox News said, you know, don't get vaccinated, it how many people actually, listened? Actually, well, of course they yeah. were vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. Geez, they've had seven hundred and ninety-eight thousand people die from COVID. Yeah, and of course we don't really know all those numbers, but I guess what I'm more interested in is how do we, how do we as people really move forward from here? How do we even repair the damage that is done from some uh, mistrust or how, how does the media sort of repair? Cause I, I would imagine most people feel very sort of divided. So how do we as people become undivided or are we just destined to be in two camps of, you know, right versus left or conservative versus liberal or what have you. Freedom of the press, 100%. Um, I'm a huge proponent of, of freedom of speech, but I also think, you know what, retractions should be on page one. If you got it wrong and, and you put it out there to somebody that, whether, you know, it's a, you know, somebody's a, an evil person or, or this or that, or they said this and they said that, and then you got it wrong. I think it's, I think it's important that you are just as responsible to put it out there on page one that, you know what, sorry, we messed up. You know, we're, you know, we, we basically put this idea in your head that this person said this, or this is, um, or this is a fact when really this is actually not a fact. Right. Um, and then that way, there could be some clarity or we haven't fully researched this or we haven't, we haven't looked into this at all. <laughs> and, and here's yeah. right. I think that's fairly optimistic though, that people would read something and then look for the follow-up. And I think it's really dangerous. And I think that that's the, the biggest crux of this is that we, we have a hard time trusting, you know, from doctors to, to anything. How do, how do we really know any of the information that we've even been given and I consider ourselves on the the after getting the vaccine versus before getting the vaccine. Like there's almost that divide, right? It's like these are the people that are before the vaccine, and then there's all these people who are after the vaccine. And how do we know that we've been given the information? At some point, you and I could start growing extra eyes or tails, right? Or we might just die earlier. Or we could all be like but... Bane. We could be like super strength. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Who's your favorite superhero? Out of all of the superheroes that you've seen, who's your favorite? Oh, you know what? I have two for very different reasons. One, one are we talking Marvel or DC or other? One of each. Okay. So one is one is Spidey. Yeah, I love Spidey just because it's cool. And I ask, like, are you excited to see the new movie? Yes, very excited. Do you have tickets? No. Oh, I do. For seventeenth, my my drywaller of all people is like, uh, hey, you want to go see a movie? I'm like, yeah, okay, (laughs) let's go. So yeah, he he got his tickets. So I think we're in the top right corner of the theater. So (laughs) it's gonna be funny on the seventeenth, sitting in the corner of the theater. Normally, I've had really good seats, but yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. But then I have to say, my absolute favorite has to be Superman. Yeah, because he's the only one. That, you know, and they brought it up in uh, Kill Bill, I think. He's, everybody else is, like, Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man. 
Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. Superman is Superman, and his alter ego is his his disguise is the the costume of how he sees us, right? Interesting. Is is like being like where like you know he's weak and you know it's all the things that you know where where if he's Superman he's confident and interesting. What do you got going on in your world? What's uh, are you looking forward to Christmas? I'm looking or? forward to Christmas. Um, I think it's gonna. I think real estate is gonna remain busy into the new year, and even I think even years to come. I think. So, if you were to say you were to have like a takeaway, it would be a real benefit to anybody in your world, Ryan. If you had a renovator come and take a look at a house with you, to even I want to say eyeball prices and put them not not hard numbers like well if we buy this house we can be guaranteed that we can you know renovate the kitchen for x number of dollars that nobody's going to be happy with that at the end of the day because somebody's going to probably throw out a number that's not quite correct and everybody changes their opinion along the way about what they want to do with a particular place right so you can't typically just walk in and you know, call up a renovator and say, hey, we need some numbers over the phone. Every situation is different. Every house is different. Every location is different, right? Some renovators might even put more money down because it's a condo downtown and condos are notoriously sort of a pain in the butt to work with. So the takeaway, give a renovator a call, myself, somebody else, get those numbers before you put in an offer on a house because you don't want to be sticker shocked after you buy that house and definitely take advantage of things like, you know, mortgage plus improvements, see how much you can actually get before you get into that situation. And I would imagine talking to a mortgage broker or realtor could really help with that sort of decision-making process, but also don't be afraid to get your, your hands dirty as well. You know, you can save a lot of money by doing this, the work yourself. Just make sure that you do do those things right. So you don't end up costing yourself more. So if somebody is looking to get some work done and they're looking for a good home renovator, how do they get a hold of you? Give us a call. Uh, You can call myself directly at 403-465-2288. You can check out our website at sweethomerenos.com. That's S-U-I-T-E, homerenos.com. Uh, you can reach out to Ryan and he can hook us up. Actually, I would recommend you do that because then Ryan can get a referral. Right? Oh, there we go. It's not a referral fee. I w- okay, I, just to clarify, I never take <laughs> a referral fee out of anybody that I, I refer out. Well, number one, the optics of it are horrible, right? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, if, if I refer you and I make us, you know, money out of the side of it and yeah yeah i just i just refuse to do it. but it's still your business right yeah. it's still your business in order to uh to you know make sure your clients are happy but, but i so. but i do enjoy referring i do enjoy having people uh, such as yourself in my pocket to be able to say hey i right. can refer you to this guy because he's really really that's good. all we're talking about yeah. yeah 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 no that's all we're talking about is really yeah. just uh passing my name on so if anybody wants to get a hold of me and you know Ryan, reach out. If you would like to call me direct, that's fine too. We do commercial and resi renovations. We do everything from inside and outside. The only thing we don't do is bad work. So I like it. There we go. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks Thank you so for much for, for uh, joining me on the podcast today. 
Thanks again for listening to Epic Phelan. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at RealRyanPhelan. And visit my website at thecalgaryrealestateguy.com. Until next time, stay epic.